Hello, everybody. This is Cody Bateman. Welcome to a brand new episode of our Relationship Marketing Podcast. As usual, super excited for our guests that we have on today. A repeat. We have a repeat guest on today. What we're, what we're doing is we've got our Relationship Marketing Grand Summit that's coming up, and we're starting to re-feature some of our uh, some of our guests that have been on in the past who are also going to be speaking at our upcoming virtual event called the Relationship Marketing Grand Summit. This will be a virtual event. Incredible, incredible speakers. One of them is with us today. Uh, and that's coming up on September 9th and 10th. So you want to find out about the RMGS Relationship Marketing Grand Summit and get set up for that. You're going to learn from the best of the best in sales, marketing, uh, internet marketing, relationship marketing, uh, all bringing a, a, a tie from their own expertises back to the importance of relationship marketing and how it works for us today. So our guest today is the one and only Dr. Jerome Gafford. Uh, Jerome, how you doing, my friend? Doing well, Cody B. Always glad to be on the call with you, man. Hope you're doing great. Well, we're doing great. We're super excited to talk to you today. I want to share with our guests real quickly just a little bit about you. Uh, known as the sales doctor who brings over 35 years of sales and sales training experience to the table here today. Uh, involved with executive leadership development. Uh, he brings those kinds of things to organizations all over the world. Um, he, I like some of the terminology that you have cut the fluff, give you the stuff presentation. And we've had you on here before and boy, it's, it's really, it's really true. And I, and I love that because there's a lot of fluff out there. There's a lot of fluff on how you should conduct business. And I love your approach of cut the fluff, give you the stuff presentation. Um, Jerome has found that struggling sales organizations suffer from many of the same primary ailments. In order to address these conditions, he works with teams to diagnose the symptoms, uh, develop a treatment program to correct the issues, and provides follow-up to ensure the patients are recovering and performing well. So you basically take ailing cells organizations and bring them back to life but you have a process of doing that. It's, uh, I like the word diagnose. In fact, I wanna start there. I wanna start, start with the, the whole word diagnose. Um, um, before I do that though, let's, let's go back just real, real quick. So doctor, let's talk about the doctor thing. Dr. Jerome, a PhD. Tell us a little bit about that uh, uh, background that you have. Sure, sure. I, uh, I got into the world of academia, higher education about, uh, it's been about, let's see, 17, 18 years ago now, I guess it was. And I um, started teaching in a marketing program here at the University of North Alabama, which is in Florence, Alabama. That's my home. And uh, in, in starting with that program, we, we were looking at some of the marketing degree plans that were being offered at this particular school. And one of the things we found was that the, the, the enrollment numbers in the marketing and management area were, were tending to trend down a little bit. And the dean asked me to look at that with them. And one of the things that I discovered coming, coming from a sales background was that they didn't really offer a lot in, uh, in sales training and then what was being taught in the marketing program. And most of the companies that I have been talking to, that's what they were looking for. They were looking for students who knew how to have a conversation with people, how to create value, how to di diagnose and analyze, you know, situations in an organization, and then come to them with ideas and things that would bring value 
to these organizations. And so I told the dean, I said, you know, I've been in sales for 20 years and that's what we do in a sales role. We need to be teaching our students how to do that as well. And so he kind of gave me the ropes and said, well, here, go run with it. So we started a program here at North Alabama uh, back in 2010 and then ran that program for about six or seven years. Uh, three years ago, I was contacted by the folks out at UT Dallas and they asked me to come out there and work with them in their program. Dr. Howard Dover is the director there and, and I went out and looked around, talked to some of their folks and, and here we are three years later now, we've got one of the top programs in the country there in Dallas. And we, we specialize in helping our students achieve uh, um, a level of knowledge and, and skill and expertise in the world of professional selling that allows them to land uh, some of the top tier uh, selling careers in the country today. A lot of, lot of technology-based selling, uh, a lot of higher end, um, uh, working with companies along the lines of, you know, Hewlett Packard and, and Dell and Texas Instruments, some of the bigger companies in the technology world. And we also do some working with, with numerous other companies. But the idea of this diagnosing the, the issues were the, you know, mo most all of us that, that work in the, in the world of sales know that selling is something that all of us do every day, whether we realize it or not. And, and it's all built around this idea of, of establishing relationships, getting to know the people that you work with and the customers that, you, that you're looking to work with and finding out what's important to them and what it is that they want to achieve and then helping them achieve that through the solutions that we're able to, to produce. And so there is, there's a skill set to that of learning how to do some of the, um, you know, the presentation using some of the technology. There are some skills involved in learning how to do that. But the real, the real key, I believe, is, is a lot of what you and I've talked about before, Cody, is this establishing that relationship with the customer and, and understanding what's important to them. And, and especially now with things that are going on in the world over the last five or six months, this idea of that keeps coming out about the you know, come people coming back and the economy coming back, there's still a lot of uncertainty out there today in the world of business. And as professional salespeople, one of the things we have to do when we diagnose working with a company is what, what are their emotions? What, what are they feeling? What, what's going on in their mind? What, what are they concerned about? What are they you know, skeptical about? Uh, what, what's it going to take to get them to move to the next step? And as salespeople now, we have to do an even better job of developing those relationships, earning their trust, and being able to coach them through some of the decisions they have to make now going forward. So what, what I love about your background is that you, you, you're, you're able to teach and train in multiple different places. And, you know, you've you come from academia and you bring programs to, uh, you know, to our colleges and, and uh you know, so you have that format where you're teaching young students who are coming up with with the goal of getting into the professional sales uh, arena. Right. And uh, so you're able to teach at that level. You also go and work with companies and teach, um, you know, teach and train um, very experienced and skilled salespeople that have been doing, been, been in sales for a long, long time. And so that's, that's what I love. And I'm speaking to all of those who, who are coming to the Relationship Marketing Grand Summit, and you'll be one of the speakers there, is, is that's where you're coming from. You, you, you have dynamic skill sets in the way that you teach different groups of people uh, that, that are really powerful. They're really, really powerful. And you mentioned, you know, you mentioned, you know, you, you got to learn the base. There are basic skill sets, you know, how do you, how to use the technology, how to run a sales uh, deck how to you know just the basics 
And the college format is really good for that. And the college format is really good to teach these young people those skills. And so, you know, I, when I hire salespeople coming out of there, I'd love to have somebody that, that already knows the basic skill sets. Uh, and then, of course, in addition to that, you're teaching them philosophy, too, on sales, teaching them the relationship game of sales. So they're coming out of these colleges pretty pretty darn ready to go. I mean, and that's that's impressive. And then, of course, we can take it from there and, and help those folks. Right. So I just want our audience to know that that's who that's that's who they're going to be listening to is uh, you coming from that background. So let's talk a little bit about the whole, um, you know, <laughs> how do you not talk about what we're going through right now with COVID COVID nineteen and all of the the pandemic stuff and how everything has shifted over the last several months. And uh, I know that we've talked in the pre-show that, you know, you've been working on some unique new things in the last couple of months as a result of that. So what's your life been like during the pandemic? What, what kind of things are you working on right now that can help us? Well, I've been spending a lot of time with my grandkids. That's always fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That I, uh, good. I was joking with somebody the other day, you know, as a college professor, it, it, it's been a while since I was in, uh, you know, elementary and junior high and high school. So I've been having to work with my grandkids who are anywhere now between the ages of six and about uh, 12 or 13 uh, as they've been in school. And of course, they've been home. So I've been helping them with some assignments and things of this type. But uh, uh, but I, I was joking with one of their teachers the other day that I, that I hope I don't get my grandson in trouble. But when he comes back to school this fall and they're doing um, mathematics, he's going to understand what it means to carry the one when they do a mathematics problem. So I, I, I'm not real big on this common core math right now. So, so I'm teaching in the way I learned how to do math, you know, 30 years ago. Yeah. So, uh, but, but it's been a lot of fun spending time with the, with the family. And because uh, my family all still lives here in Alabama. I'm in Texas when we're teaching, but we're all online right now with everything that's going on. So we're doing, um, we're doing a lot of virtual training, which, which I think works well for the students because as, as we move into this new era or, or the new normal, a lot of people keep saying that, that phrase, um, this, this is going to be an environment that they need, they need to understand because a lot of the work that they do, whether they're working as, as a sales development rep or as a product presentation person, or whatever they're doing in a selling role, the majority of that is going to have to be now in this virtual environment for, for the, the next, probably, I'm thinking at least 10 to 12 months, uh, they're saying before we can shake hands with people again. <clears throat> so, you know, as, as a result of that, we, we can take this time while they're in school and get them used to using the technologies to get them used to this environment of, of working with customers over a virtual environment, how to do interviews, how to do needs assessment and discovery, these types of things, and get them used to this environment. Because I think even when this is past us and uh, with the come up with the virus or a cure for the virus, whatever that may be, there, there are going to be a lot of businesses out there today who are going to look back during this time and they're going to take this as an opportunity to run their businesses more efficiently. And, and I think as a result of that, we're going to see more of this environment in, in some measure, maybe not every day, but there's going to be a lot of this type of a virtual environment that's going to be necessary for people in sales to learn how to do. And that's part of this new, uh, this new mindset that I think a lot of salespeople need to be ready to adjust for. I was talking with a, a regional manager here in North Alabama with a financial services company 
uh, last week. And we were talking about some of the things that they're facing with their teams and, you know, some, some leveling off of revenues and those types of things. And he's telling me that a lot of their, their more senior representatives now uh, are just not willing to make the pivot to doing, running their businesses online. You know, they, you know, for 30, 40 years, they, you know, customers come to their office, uh, they go to somebody's home, whatever that may be. And that's been their norm. That's what they've always done. And that making this pivot to uh, a virtual environment or, or even setting up the technology for things as simple as taking a payment online, a lot of these people are not willing to make that change. And so as they start to move out and retire from their roles, the people coming in to take the place of those, those agents in these companies are going to need to know some of these skills. And so the ones who do want to stay in the game are going to have to learn some of this stuff because the younger generation that's coming up now using this technology is secondhand to them because it's yeah. something they've been doing since most of them were born. And so there, there's a, there are really some, um, there, there are some challenges, but there are also some great opportunities here for people in that, in that field, the, the people who have been in a role for a number of years that are willing to make some changes, we can help them with those changes. That's part of that diagnosis work that we do and finding out what it is that, that prevents them psychologically from wanting to make this shift. And if we can break that mold a little bit or at least get them thinking about it from a different standpoint, we can show them the basics of how the technology will work. They just don't, have, they can't be afraid of the technology. They, got, they have to accept it, move forward, that this is gonna be part of how their business is run going forward. So yeah, very interesting stuff, the whole virtual movement. And uh, we're, we're one of the groups that, that you're talking about. We're, we're trying to embrace it as much as we possibly can get really, really good at it. And my goodness, I see so many advantages to it. You know, it's even in creating relationships, you know, a lot when we first started this thing and started thinking, man, are we going to, are we going to be doing all of our presentations now virtually? Uh, are, are we going to be, you know, and I, I got a little nervous about, cause I'm a, you know, look, I'm, I'm one of the old guys, you know, I'm a belly to belly, take you out to lunch, look you in the eye, shake your hand kind of guy. I mean, that's, that's in both you and I are that way. <laughs> and that's part of the exactly. relationship building process. Um, you know, BNI is an organization that we work very closely with uh, business network international founded by Dr. Ivan Meisner. And they've always had their weekly uh, BNI chapter meetings, which is all live. I mean, people all come and get together and they're belly to belly and they've had to go virtual with 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 thousands of chapters all over the world they've had to go 100 percent virtual almost overnight and they're having great success yep they're ha so what they're used to doing belly to belly and they're you know they've always preached belly to belly you got to get with people you got to shake their hand you got to look them in the eye you know whatever but now it's all happening virtually and probably well what they're claiming is more efficiently their 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 chapter meetings are even more efficient in a virtual setting than they are in a live setting now i want i want to ask you that question of why you think that is and i'm going to so i'm going to use that as an example so bni chapters are saying in a lot of cases not all but in a lot of cases they're saying that their local chapters are having more success and they're more efficient with their virtual weekly chapter meetings than they have been with their live ones. So I wanna get your take on why you think that is. I also had another example, and this one's really interesting, and I actually have a call with this gentleman after this. Uh, this is a guy who's uh, heavily involved with Alcoholics Anonymous, 
AA. He's a recover he's a recovered alcoholic for 30 years. He's been running AA programs. He's big, big into the AA. He's been running AA programs and running his own chapters and whatnot on a weekly basis. He sponsors people all the time. It's it's a big, big part of who he is. He's been sober for 30 years. He's he's helped a lot of people. He he was telling me the other day, he said all of their AA meetings have gone virtual. And his surprise is, I mean, over the last 90 days, they've been all virtual. His surprise has been, they are far more effective. He's helping people get sober, sober at record breaking rates. He's, he's claiming he's about 70% more efficient in his chapters in a virtual setting than he is in a live setting. Now we didn't have time to go into why he thought that was, I'm, that's part of the call today. So I ask you the question, why do you think that is, you know, both B and I feels like their, their chapters are possibly more efficient. Alcoholics Anonymous, possibly their virtual chapters might be more effective than live ones. I mean, that's, <laughs> you're the smart guy. What, why do you, what thinks going on there? I, well, this, this is strictly uh, an opinion. Again, I've not looked at the, the research on that myself very closely, but but there's some common things here, I think, that, that probably come into play. Uh, from, from the standpoint of, of these types of meetings where, um, where the outcome that the person is looking for, whether it be through an AA meeting or through a BNI, you know, we see some of the same things happening with um, uh, Toastmasters has, has moved to pretty much an all virtual environment. Um, I think it, a lot of it's driven, Cody, by what the the outcome expectation is for the individual that's on the call. And, and when you're looking at a, at a program like an AA or a BNI, the, the, the individual participants have an outcome that they're looking for. And I think that opens that door for a level of success um, that maybe can be pursued easier in the virtual environment because people, I think they may feel more comfortable talking about those kind of things if they're sitting in their living room or their, their bedroom or their office at home versus being in a room full of people. I'll give you an example. We do a lot of training with the Zoom platform with, with organizations. Um, and of course, you can have any number of people on the call. I typically try to limit our, our corporate trainings to no more than about 20 or 25 people on the call. And then I can break them out into breakout rooms of you know four or five people in a breakout room, give everybody a topic to discuss for a few minutes and then bring them back together to um, share some insights. And it's really amazing to, to be on those calls. And when, when the entire group is together, there are some people who will not say anything. They will not engage whatsoever. But I put them in a small breakout group with four or five people in a group, and I can bounce around and listen in to what's going on in these individual meetings. And those people that will never interact in the large group are, are making it happen in the small group. There, there's, a, there's a behavioral style there that comes into play it's based on how, how comfortable they are in the environment that they're in. I think sometimes that setting at home uh, may be part of that environment that the, the gentleman from AA is seeing and BNI is seeing. Uh, on, on the flip side of that, on the selling side of it, the, the thing that I think comes into play here is the, if the salesperson is, is conducting the call and they're on the line with a, a potential customer, prospect, whatever that may be, then it's a little bit of a different uh, scenario, I think, because now while the salesperson, it does have a, a goal of, of an expectation of, of securing the business, they also have to be focused on what the goal of the buyer is. 
So I think there, there's a different dynamic there that has to come into play. Uh, again, I'm, I'm just I'm kind of spitballing that because we've not looked at the research on that, that particular piece of it yet. But that sem seems to make sense to me that, that the dynamics of the expectations and the outcomes are probably going to have some sort of an impact on how successful this is. And that's one of the things that I'm doing a lot of work with right now with both my college students and my corporate people is trying to get them focused on, you know, the, the extra amount of energy and effort that it takes to develop that relationship in this environment versus setting there, like you said, belly to belly, shaking hands, taking somebody out to lunch. So that there, there may be a, a piece there that we need to dig into a little bit deeper, but that, that's, that's my opinion. Yeah. I, I think a lot of it is uh, just going along with what you said there. A lot of it's just uh, you reduce a lot of distraction in a virtual event. I mean, you think about it when you're used to traveling somewhere to have a, a, a an actual meeting, there's a lot of distractions. If you really <laughs> think about it, road rage on the way, getting there, getting settled, there's other things going on in the room. You're trying to stay focused on your potential client. You're trying to, you know, diagnose their situation, but there's other things happening and there's other dynamics. And so your mind is, it, it's not, this is, this is my shot at it, I guess. It, your, your mind's not as laser focused as it is in a virtual meeting. You know, right now you and I are talk, talking, I'm laser focused on you and there's no distractions at all going on. It gives us an opportunity to be more efficient. Another, another place I noticed that is uh, I do an interactive live seminar called the Promptings Academy where we, it's personal development seminar. One of the things we do in there is we have, we, we have, in the live events, we have a lot of interaction where I'm going out into the audience and I'm, I'm coaching people on their affirmations and I am statements and the stories that they program into their mind that they end up manifesting into their life kind of stuff. So there's a lot of interactive personal coaching that goes on in an audience of four to 500 people. And I'll go one-on-one -on -one with somebody so everybody else can watch, but th there's that interaction. One thing I, I noticed, I've now done that in a virtual event. Same thing, exact same thing. I had 570 people on a, on a virtual Promptings Academy and we, we did the same exercise, but I found that I was able to really, I was really able to connect at a deeper level in the virtual event because I didn't have the distractions in the room. I didn't have that other stuff going on. So I don't know, you know, I guess we're, we're just kind of shooting at this thing, but it, th these are things that people who are listening that you need to pay attention to. You know, th there's more to going virtual than you don't want to go virtual because you have to. You want to go virtual because you want to. And I think we're starting to talk about a lot of the reasons why you may want to be going virtual with a lot of your stuff. Mm -hmm. So anyway, it's fun. It's, it's fun. I, I agree completely. I think there are you know, so many people today, and, and maybe that's too general of a statement, but, but a lot of people, especially in the sales world, um, they think that what they did for 10 or 15 years will continue to work going forward. And, and some, of the, some of those pieces will continue, you know, some of the skills and things that are needed. But, but it is going to take a bit of a mind shift as they go forward now, because the, the customer is different now than what they were six months or five years ago. And so if we, if we try to sell to them the same way we were six months or five years ago, 
it's not going to work in this environment. It's right. something else has to happen to engage them at a different level. And, and I think some of the stuff that you guys are doing uh, with relationship building is just is a major part of that, that unfortunately doesn't get talked about enough in most training programs because it's considered one of those, they call it a soft skill. But I, I think the soft skills are as important, if not more important now than what they've ever been and, and should have been focused on more. It's really good. Now we got this grand summit coming up. You're one of the speakers. I'm going to hold this up for those who are on YouTube. You probably can't really see it, but there's, there's a whole lineup of speakers there. You know, a lot of these folks, but, uh, uh, so we got Bill Cates, Meredith Elliott Powell, Larry Levine, Nancy Lieberman, Bernadette McClellan, Ala Bardo, Jerome Gafford, that's you, Mark Hunter, James Muir, Christine Cashin, Craig Case, Brian Brio, Ivan Meisner, Lee Chapman, Clint Pulver. Um, it's, it, it's just an amazing group of people. Uh, talk to us a little bit about what, and this is all virtual, and the way we're going to be doing that is you'll come on and you'll do your 30-minute speech, and then we have workshops that we do in between the speakers. So we'll have workshops that are very interactive that we can teach people how to use systems to do what the speaker just talked about. So there's going to be a lot of interaction, a lot of – it's very, very educational. This is right up your alley. You know, this is, <laughs> this is PhD stuff. I mean, it's very, very educational kind of stuff. So just tell us a little bit of – um, why you're excited to be involved with this and what people can expect from you and perhaps just, just from all of these other speakers. Well, you know, the, and you mentioned that list of folks you have there and, and, and I've been, uh, I've been fortunate enough to, to meet most of those folks and, and do some interaction with many of them. A lot of them come to the school and speak to our classes and, and do some interactive events with us now as well. And, and I, I'll be honest with you, I'm humbled to be on that list. That, that is a, an incredible list of people there. Uh, my, my plan is to talk a little bit about um, some things that I see happening that, that, are, that I think are a, a big concern for a lot of companies today. And, and it gets back to that, that skill versus will thing, uh, which is, I think, even more important for companies today. You know, the, the teaching a person the skills to be good in sales you know, we'll, we'll continue to progress, I think, at a pretty steady rate. The, the problem that I think, and I don't know if the problem is the right word, but I think the challenge for a lot of companies today and for a lot of individual salespeople is they, they can develop the skills. And there's a ton of information out there that people can go online. They, they can order books. They can watch webinars. They can, they can do a lot of things to gather a lot of information about what it takes to be good in sales. The, the problem is they get a lot of information, but they don't get a lot of knowledge. Okay. And, and so what, what my focus is going to be is on finding out exactly what an individual, an organization, a sales management group, a sales coaching group can do within an organization to determine where that will factor needs to come in. Okay. The, the skill piece, you know, we, we can, we can facilitate that pretty easily. But uncovering that will to be successful and that desire to want to win, that, that's a different level all the way around. And so a, a lot of what I'm going to be talking about are some, some behavior adjustments and some activities that you can do, like I say, individually or within your organization that can help drive this will to want to succeed 
and then do the things and, and create the behaviors that the person has to do in order to achieve that success. And so I think it'll be, it'll be interesting to see talking about some of the things that, that we've experienced over the last few years and stuff we've uncovered in some of the research that we've done and then kind of take that to the next level. And like I said, we've got a couple of exercises, a couple of little things we'll do that I think will be fun for the group and, um, and, and just get focused a little bit more on, uh, you know, let, let's, let's kind of cut through the minutia. Let's find out where, you know, the fear factors are, uh, let, let's, let's address them head on my, my cut the fluff, give them the stuff kind of thing will come out in that piece over there. Like I said, a lot of information out there and you, you can brand things and, and label things you want to have where you want to do it. In Alabama, we tell people, you know, you can paint black and white stripes on a mule and call it a zebra, but it's still a jackass. <laughs> so if you want, if you want to get right to the heart of the problem, we're going to get right to the heart of the problem coming up in September. Well, that's good stuff. It's very, very exciting. You know, we, uh, we, we put a lot of effort into putting on these events and attending events like this. I mean, you know, it's really, really important to continually sharpen your saw, if you will. Um, so important. And in fact, it's, it's far more important than I think people even realize. I hear a lot of people in sales and marketing and whatnot. Um, they start thinking to themselves, you know, Hey, I've, I've been there. I've done that. I know what I'm doing. I don't have time to go to this event or I don't have time to do that. I got to go out and close the deal or I got to go generate new business and I'm going to spend my time on that. And they start reducing the amount of training they get and increasing the amount of time they spend in the field doing their stuff. And, I'm, and I know you've worked with people like that. Um, I have my own opinion about that. And, and by the way, I've done, I've done that. I've actually done that. I've actually been one of those people saying, yeah, yeah, I've, I've been a bunch of them. I'm tired of going to events right now. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to go close deals, you know? <laughs> so I, I've gotten caught up in that. How do you, first of all, what do you say about that? And how do you, how do you teach people to create that balance? Sure, sure. Where they're constantly getting what they need to stay sharp. Well, when we talk about the behaviors that, that people, you know, conduct or, or that they, you know, exhibit in, in the sales role, the, the thing that we, we, start, we, we kind of get back to the physiological piece of it to begin with. And what I mean by that, Cody, is simply there is, there is a finite amount of energy that we as human beings have to put forth in whatever behaviors that we're putting effort into. Okay. And so you mentioned some of the folks who say, well, you know, I, I don't want to go back to training. I think I know enough to be successful in the role. And they, they start expelling a lot of this energy coming up with the reasons and the excuses that they don't do stuff. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then when it comes time to start doing stuff, they've wasted a lot of energy on stuff that has no impact on their success in a sales role. And so one of the things we help a lot of folks do is identify some of these areas where they are expelling their energy in places that are not helping them be successful. And we can identify things that they can do and, and teach them some behavior changes. A lot of folks talk about the psychology of sales and that's a major part of it, but, but I like to focus on the behavior piece of it. Uh, it's hard for me to change somebody's psychology, but I can have a pretty good impact on their behaviors just by teaching them some new ways to do things. And so we, we have to identify the reason, first of all, that they are expelling this energy in places that aren't successful for them, and then show them 
some, some, just some little minor things, they, little changes they can make in their daily routine that get them back on track to doing what it takes to be successful. And some of the results that we're seeing you know, from, from a, lot of, a lot of salespeople who are, are kind of stuck in that, this rut of, you know, I've always done it this way, I'm gonna keep doing it this way, uh, it, it's worked for me up to now, why won't it work going forward? We're gonna see them, you know, they, they, they will be able to continue in a sales role at some level, but the ones who, who have this, what, what we call a, a, an open mindset or, a, um, you know, or, or a, the idea that, that they're willing to try new things, they, they will see that their closing numbers will, will jump, you know, two, sometimes four times greater than the people that try to follow the status quo. And so that, that's, that's just a matter, again, of just understanding, first of all, the reason that, that there's fear or, or the, whatever's blocking them from getting to where they need to go. And then we can change some of those behaviors to break that block and get them beyond that so they can start seeing the real success for the efforts they're putting in. Excellent. We are listening to Dr. Jerome Gafford, PhD. He's known as the sales doctor. He's one of our featured speakers at the upcoming Relationship Marketing Grand Summit. We're super, super excited to have you there with us. Uh, Jerome, I, I always close the show. I probably did it the same way last time. You know, I give you the floor at the end. I, no more questions. It's uh, The floor is yours. What do our listeners need to hear from you right now? And what do they have to look forward to uh, in the near future? Well, Cody, you know, one of my one of my foundational beliefs is that you know the the, the profession of, of a salesperson is a noble profession. And and as I said, I've worked in sales for a number of years myself. I've always been proud of, of the kind of work that I was able to do to help people out and help them achieve their goals. And I think from a from a industry standpoint that's more important than ever right now with what's going on in the world. I, th I think it's as, as the economy starts to turn and starts to come back wh whenever that begins to happen, it's going to be up to us in the selling role to be the, take the charge and make that happen. And, and it's all going to be built around this, this idea that, that you know, we got to build good relationships. We have to present ourselves in a professional and a caring manner and an empathetic manner with our customers and the people that we work with. And in doing so, we will earn their trust and be able to lead them to where they want to go. It, it needs to be a collaboration between buyers and sellers to make that happen. It always has been, but that's even more important now because of, again, some of the fears people are facing, some of the indecision that's going on in the world right now. And, you know, you know who, who knows what, the, you know, there are a lot of companies out there right now who are, are, are struggling through this time frame and, and may not survive but they were struggling before this all happened. They had not made the right decisions leading up, you know, prior to the, to the situation with the pandemic. So they will be the ones who are struggling, but, but the companies that are willing to take this as an opportunity to learn some new things, learn some new ways about dealing with customers, how to deal with people, how, how to coach people instead of manage them. That's well, that's a big catchphrase going on right now. Yeah. Um, you know, the things that they can do to, to, to be more successful in the industry that they're in that's where this this professionalism this this idea that that us as a selling community need to take the lead to make things happen going forward good stuff good stuff i love that line i'm going to write it down how to coach people instead of manage them i think that's really powerful we are hearing that a lot and it's uh, we notice it our you know we've got 70 plus employees at at send out cards and it really has evolved to that. It's not about managing. It's, it's, you know, it's about coaching and mentoring and 
helping people because we have a lot of these new these new upcoming generation they're highly independent thinkers and you know you just <laughs> you just got to empower them a little bit and let them go and get out of their way because there's just some real great talent that's that's coming out i'm sure you see that in the you know in the school environment yeah yeah it, it is and that that is coming down the pipe with you know with both the uh, the millennial age generation and then now this generation z we see coming along behind them uh, some of the um some of the mindsets that I see working with the students right now are really, really impressive stuff. So. Yeah. Excellent. Well, there you have it. We have Dr. Jerome Gafford with us today. Appreciate you spending the time with us and uh, for a second time on with us. Looking forward to having you at the RMGS and let's go change the world. My friend, keep doing what you're doing. I really appreciate your example and what I learned from you each time. It's like when I interview you, it's the, the, my energy goes up. I feel like I'm a smarter person when I'm off, you know, when we get done. So I appreciate that very much. Thank you so much, Cody. I have ultimate respect for you guys and for your organization, uh, Bart and all the team that's involved with that there really have enjoyed uh, the, the time that I've been able to work with you guys here over the last few months. All right. Well, we'll see you in a couple months then. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Have Take a great care. day. There you have it, my friends. That is our show for the day. Make sure that you tune back in. We do this once a week. We keep bringing, bringing the folks in. We are going to feature several of our RMGS uh, faculty. We'll be coming on here and, and giving you some teaser to what they're going to be speaking on at the event itself. So I appreciate all that y'all do. Go out there and be kind to people every single day. Act on your promptings. Reach out in kindness. And let's go change the world. Take care, everybody. If you have enjoyed this episode of the Relationship Marketing Podcast with Cody B, be sure to subscribe to the show and leave a review so that together we can get this message, The Power of Human Connection, out to the world. You can find Cody's new book, The Power of Human Connection, on Amazon or the Send Out Cards gift store.